it's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Thanks for joining us. On today's show, we will be continuing to celebrate having a president. Yes, having a president who's actually a president. And we will be hoping uh, that this will not be the last president that America has ever has. We will be talking and the continuing civil cold war in this country, mostly cold war, of course, not entirely. And we will be talking about this great divide in this country that continues in the context of the recent events regarding COVID, guns, and democracy. Two of those things America has. Can you guess which two? Anyway, before we get into that, I want to start with a quick the COVID relief bill has been signed into law, as we talked about in our last show, it was about to be signed into law. No surprise here. It had passed the House and the Senate. Biden was happy to make a big deal out of signing it. The relief bill is notable for both what it is and for what it represents. And what it represents, I suppose, is possibly the last legislative accomplishment that the governing political party is going to be able to achieve in this country because of our lack of democracy. All the, all the surrounding events, the intrigue, the loss of minimum wage increase through the COVID relief bill because of the need to go through budget reconciliation to avoid a Republican filibuster reminds us as this bill gets through without a single Republican vote in either the House or the Senate. It reminds us how basically nothing will follow in its footsteps other than things that can also be passed through reconciliation. So it is notable for the fact that it actually was a bill that the governing political party, that the, that the political party that a vast majority of this country keeps showing it prefers, was actually able to do something in America. It was, of course, also notable, as I've been talking about for weeks, in what it actually does. Uh, hooray for the Democratic Party for getting this done. As the, the Times indicated, Biden signed it to law, the one almost $1.9 trillion at the end of the day American Rescue Plan, which again, to summarize quickly, provides a third round of stimulus checks, further funding for COVID-19 testing and vaccination, aid for struggling state and local governments, small businesses, and schools, and an expansion of the child tax credit, which was expected to cut child poverty by half and overall poverty by a third. Wow. That's some awful shit in there. As I, as I said to my students when reading through the bill, uh, just think to yourselves, we'll make this a rhetorical question. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Uh, how many of these things are, do you think are a bad idea? And the students were busy, of course, shaking their heads, going, none of this is a bad idea. Well, who thinks this is a bit of a bad idea? Well, of course, there's Republicans. And there is, in particular, Republican Senator Mike Lee of Utah. Probably a Republican moderate at this point. Mike Lee of Utah, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, referred to the American Rescue Plan, which will, among other things, cut child poverty by perhaps a half 
and overall poverty by a third. Republican Senator Mike Lee described this document as, quote, written in hell by the devil himself, close quote. Because as everybody knows, the devil really hates child poverty. Also, struggling schools, things like that. You know, Mike Lee makes the devil actually sound not so bad. Anyway, let's talk about COVID since we were talking about the rescue bill. We have been reminded maybe too often that we can beat this thing and we seem to be doing wonders in the direction of beating COVID, assuming that we still take precautions. As of the time I'm recording this, we're at about 30 million Americans who have been infected. We have passed, uh, depending on who's counting, according to the CDC, we're about at 543,000 dead in total, more, well more than half a million. But we are down to about 1,000 a day dying. And as I prepare my notes for this show, I'm thinking we're down to like 1,000 a day dying. I look at people around me. I look at what I'm reading. I look at what seems to be happening across this country. And I think we're celebrating the fact that we've beaten this thing. We still got 1,000 people a day dying. I remember doing this show for months and months before we got to the point of a thousand a day. And that was a big milestone. Now we're working our way back down for the most part with some hiccups, but it's still a thousand dead a day. Biden president of the United States came out and noted in, in more bright spots this week that all American adults will be eligible for vaccination by May 1st. Biden expressed the hope that we've heard elsewhere that Americans would be able to congregate at least in small family groups for barbecues on July 4th. Vaccinations are opening up all across America. And just my own experience of people with, with people around me, my wife says to me last night that her school sent out an email. We have extra doses of vaccinations. Just come down and bring your ID, please. We want, we want to give these to people. I've had family members who a week ago we were talking about I'm pretty confident I'm going to get vaccinated before the summer, so maybe we can do some meetup thing in the summer, who now are vaccinated or we're assuming will be vaccinated very soon. It is a good thing, of course, that these vaccinations are opening up because what's happening now with COVID, what's been happening for a while, is basically that we are in a race for our lives. We keep also reading, while the numbers tend to, to look better, again, with some uptick, in, which I'll get to in a moment, that we are, we're in a race against time here. COVID keeps evolving, as viruses do. It's coming out with new variants, some of which seem to be less uh, susceptible to the vaccinations than some others. And what we're trying to do here is to come close to eradicating the virus or at least reducing it to such minimal numbers that when these variants do start to show up, we've already gotten to a point where we've got the thing tamped down. If the variants outrace us and they are, they do 
quicken the spread of COVID, make it easier and uh, subject people to serious harm, even if they've been vaccinated or even if they've already had the virus, then, then we lose that race. And we're, we're back in a situation that is perhaps worse than we've seen so far, even with COVID. So again, it is not unprecedented. It is what we saw with the deadly 1918-19 Spanish flu, which was worse when it came back than when it first started. So we are in a race for our lives, literally and figuratively, regarding COVID, to get people vaccinated, to get people safe, to reduce the number of cases before this thing gets out of control. In other words, it's time for spring break. Yes, this is a good time for Americans who, of course, are trained to not give a shit about anything but themselves, to go on vacation, to hang out partying, to drink from the same beer bottles, to smoke from the same bongs, and to suck face with strangers on beaches throughout Florida, Mexico, wherever the hell else without precautions and because spring break has sprung in in some of this country already we are seeing the numbers for covid infections and deaths starting to creep back up a little bit even before much of this country goes on spring break as again it's like front row seats to watching Death Race 2021. They probably have that movie already. Um, But a death race unfolding right in front of our eyes. So, of course, being in this race, anti-vaccination is really high among Republicans. The idea of not getting vaccinated. While we're racing to, to beat this virus, Republicans think getting vaccinated would be a bad idea. It's not just Republicans, to be fair. There are other groups in our society that are showing too much reluctance to get vaccinated like for instance blacks but at least with blacks you can understand why they would be reluctant since this country has a history of lying to black people and injecting them with shit that kills them what's the republicans excuse white people in america just have a history of being whiny little babies We don't actually do anything bad to white people in America. It's white America. It's just another reminder of what I've been saying pretty much since the start of this show, which is we're going to basically need to separate decent people in this country from the people who aren't decent. If the Civil War gets bad enough in this country, we may have to split the country up. We may have to split it to two countries. I've said this before. Decentville and Mor- Moranovia or something uh, and, and put the Republicans, of course, and Republicans will put themselves in the latter. Um, so as we're doing this fight, it was big news when a group of medical experts just a few couple of days ago came out and questioned the results of the efficacy of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has already been taking some hits for possible, though apparently, apparently, we, we are told, overblown dangerous side effects. But now a group of medical experts who are overseeing the AstraZeneca testing came out and said basically that the results that we are seeing that, that is leading to efforts to give qualified approval to the AstraZeneca vaccination, in fact, were cherry-picked trial results. That they only chose 
to publicize the trial results that look good for them and basically bury the trial results that don't look good. Now, why would the medical experts think that something like this would happen? They might think that something like this would happen because this is apparently commonplace in how the pharmaceutical industry works. Just to be clear, the FDA does not conduct independent testing. It relies upon test results provided to it by pharmaceutical companies that arrange to do their own testing. For years, I have been reading about, I've talked about this on the show before, the fact that, shockingly, these big pharmaceutical companies are not reporting all of their test results as they are supposed to do under the law. They have figured out ways to avoid it and to figure out ways to stop tests, interrupt tests, whatever, do something that prevents them from having to turn over the results of negative tests. So I don't know what's going on with the AstraZeneca vaccine, but much of the shit we're putting in our bodies doesn't do what it what it purports to do and in fact does things that it tells us it doesn't do. So what happens now? This points out again, at least for us liberals, the need for government to do its job. The need for government to begin with. This is kind of a spot right now where government's going to need to act. Thank goodness we have a government again. But government's going to need to act to get to the bottom of this and assure Americans one way or another what's going on with the AstraZeneca vaccine. And while they're at it, by the way, now that we have a government again, I really hope that they're looking at the other results as well. And the rest of the pharmaceuticals we might, we might be taking. Anyway, speaking of beating COVID, let's talk about the latest in gun violence. Yes, it's been a strange time in America for the past year where we've been locked up and dying from a deadly global pandemic. We haven't been dying in the American way, which is shooting each other. Gun deaths, especially mass shootings, have been down unsurprisingly in the past year, not because Americans have gotten more decent or we've done anything to reduce the problem, other than we've been confronting a virus and Americans aren't congregating anymore. It's hard to, to do a mass shooting when people aren't congregating. Well, now that people are starting to come out of their COVID cubby halls, that means we can look forward to the typically American tradition of at least several high-profile mass shootings a week. And so this week we've had two. The eight dead in Georgia, uh, massage parlor, spa, health spa workers, most of whom were Asians and women, and the 10 dead in Boulder, Colorado. 18 and just two shootings this week. Uh, of course, as you have to do in America, we're leaving out a whole bunch of dead Americans from, from gun deaths. We're only picking on the real highlights. And these days, you have to be at least 8 or 10 to become a highlight. Give it another couple of weeks, and even 8 or 10 won't, won't make the radar anymore. We'll be, we'll be talking bigger numbers than that. It moved the onion, again, to, to have a humorous headline that's worth saying. No way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. And here's the funny thing about reading this, this onion headline from this past week. I'm sure I've done this before. The same headline. I'm pretty confident that The Onion has repeated this headline because I'm pretty sure that two years ago, 
I pretty much did this same bit on Forward Nation Radio. No way to no way to prevent this, says the only nation where this regularly happens. In other words, in case you missed this, we're fucking idiots in America, in addition to homicidal crazies. Over half of the world's deadliest mass shootings have occurred in the United States, where citizens are 20 times more likely to die of gun violence than those of other developed nations. Just to kind of set the the stage here for us. Over half of the world's deadliest mass shootings have occurred in the United States, where we have almost half of all the guns in the world in America, with something like 3 to 4% of the world's population. American citizens 20 times more likely to die of gun violence than those in civilized nations. So, of course, in the wake of all this terrible news and and 18 more dead Americans just in the two highest profile tragedies, we are going to, throughout America, call out the usual suspects. In this case, the usual denial suspects to prevent looking at the real culprits in America. Let's start with, as we always do, our thoughts and prayers. Oh, let me be clear on Forward Nation Radio. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims. And of course, just to be clear what thoughts and prayers means, thoughts and prayers are what you do, what you do in lieu of actually doing anything. In lieu of doing your job as a, an American congressperson to do something about gun deaths, you give out your thoughts and prayers. Oh, we're so nice to see our government come together like this. I think maybe it was said most eloquently, as it so often is, by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Yes, that's right, Flying Ted. Uh, Ted cruised to Mexico when his when his state was under siege. I don't apologize for thoughts or prayers, said Senator Ted Cruz, during a speech on the Senate floor where he was opposing new restrictions on firearms, I don't apologize for thoughts or prayers because that's right, Ted. That's what this is all about. That's what you are the victim here. Forget dead Americans. Forget people being slaughtered with guns, the tens of thousands of Americans dying from guns every year. No, it's you, the wealthy white guy. You are the one under siege because. You said thoughts and prayers, and you're under... You know what? This is the, the GOP honing in, again, like a like a laser shot, like a laser-guided missile on what is the real issue here. And you know what the real issue here is? Cancel prayer culture. That's right. This isn't about dead Americans. This isn't about mass carnage in America over and over and over again. It's cancel culture. Cancel prayer culture. They're canceling prayers. You know, it would be funny if it weren't so tragic, like most of what comes out of the GOP these days. Um, by the way, the, the, the discussion of thoughts and prayers is a particularly fraught one. Normally, it's just a complete, it's worthless. It, it's just a complete red herring to take us away from the real issues. But in this case, it's worth talking about for a second. The usual bromide, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, can I just point out that in this case, the Georgia murderer, at least, was motivated by his religion? That his religion was much of the reason why there are eight people murdered 
in the last couple of weeks? It was, in fact, his religion, which taught him to hate these people and taught him to hate about himself the fact that he liked sex. Something for this country to think about while we're offering our prayers to resolve a problem that was in part caused by religion, which, of course, we won't think about because this is America and we won't think about, we, we wouldn't possibly lead ourselves to think about the things that we actually should be thinking about. That would be un-American. In fact, it's not the time. There's the, there's the other, in the wake of gun tragedy, what you know the Republicans are going to go to. And that is, of course, this is not the time to talk about guns. Yes, in the wake of mass gun carnage, it's not the time to talk about what we should do perhaps to reduce mass gun carnage. As I've noted so many times on this show, unless you're the most regular, if you are the most regular of listeners, you've heard this so many times, you know where I'm going here. But when do Republicans think it is the time to talk about guns? Do I need to answer this question? The answer, of course, is it is never time to talk about guns. As mo- but most especially, it is not the time to talk about guns when it is most the time to talk about guns. Meanwhile, again, the contrast in this country, the huge divide, the President of the United States, there now being one, actually went to do the whole governing thing when Americans were dead, when his constituents were murdered. Imagine that. The President of the United States tried to step up and do his job. President Biden has called for laws to try to save American lives. Oh, he's such a liberal. So, of course, need I say this? The Republican Party is united in its opposition to any effort to regulate guns or to save American lives in this case because, of course, it might cost the... Uh, arms manufacturing industry a little bit of money and therefore it might cost the Republican Party some donations and we're not even getting to the NRA at this point. Um, The GOP is united in opposition, of course, to doing anything about gun laws. On the theory, I think they, uh, I haven't seen the internal memos yet, but you could be pretty sure that the internal memos are all saying right now, how will our next attempt to overthrow the government of the United States succeed If we don't get to have all these guns, come on, people. It's simple. If you are a Republican, we need to make sure that our next effort to overthrow the government of the United States is more likely to be successful. We're going to need these guns. Okay. In fact, also to show the contrast, Biden says this is not and should not be a partisan issue. It is an American issue. Mr. Biden said we have to act. Of course, it's kind of is a partisan issue if your goal is not to represent the people of the United States of America, but your role is to represent weapons manufacturers. If your job is to work for weapons manufacturers, i.e. the Republican Party, then it is a partisan issue. Because, it, in fact, it's not even the same issue. It's still about selling guns, not about saving American lives. Of course, the Republican Party also It is, in fact, a divided issue, a partisan issue, because if your constituents are this stupid, if the people, the only people who vote for you 
are brain dead stupid with just textbook Freudian issues revolving around their guns. Seriously. Gun equals penis. You can't take away a a lunatic, a moron, a Trump supporter's penis and get away with it. And so for the Republican Party, it clearly is a partisan issue and it needs to be a partisan issue. Biden can talk a big game about coming together to save American lives, but he knows he's talking a big game and we'll do more on this later. He knows he's talking a big game because he knows it absolutely is a partisan issue. He just wants to make sure the American public understands where the divide is. That now being the Democratic agenda to make sure the American public knows who's fucking them or in this case, killing them. Um, here's, here's some more Republicans speaking on the subject. I found this particularly enlightening. There's not a big appetite among our members to do things that would appear to be addressing it, the problem, but actually don't do anything to fix the problem. Yes, that's uh, lesson number three, plan three in the Republican, let's not do anything about guns in, in the aftermath of a mass shooting playbook. That is. Are you, this, these are all things that won't help people. Yes. When people are being murdered at alarming rates by, by guns, by guns of mass killing, then addressing guns of mass killing is clearly not addressing the problem at all. So said Senator John Thune of South Dakota, the number two Senate Republican. And by number two Senate Republican, I don't think the New York Times was referring to the fact that he is a piece of shit. He is, I think they're referring to the fact that he is the second most powerful Republican in the United States Senate. Let's also remind us when we, when we quote Senator Thune, not saying that the GOP is dirt or anything, but remember it was a few weeks ago that it was the number two Senate Republican, John Thune of South Dakota, who was uh, uh, the one who came out and opposed the $15 minimum wage by saying that years ago he had worked for only $20 an hour. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's number two Senate Republican. Uh, we are reminded of things that we discuss at length on this show, particularly the filling of our federal judiciary with right-wing apparatchiks. I don't, I don't know if you can directly attribute it to this, but the fact is, an assault weapon ban that was to be implemented in Boulder, Colorado, was blocked by a judge ten days before this mass shooting. Would it have had? Would it have made a difference? I would. I would bet that the law implemented ten days before would would not have made much difference at this point. But who knows? Is it still maybe appropriate for people to be marching for the next six months outside that judge's house with pictures? of the 10 dead people in Colorado. I wouldn't mind, though it may be a little bit unfair, but it is a reminder how judges matter. It is a reminder of why the Republicans have been filling our judiciary with pieces of shit. And it is a reminder of the fact that we are now, our laws are being interpreted by people who were put into office, by people who who were routinely rejected by the American public. Federal judges certainly are installed at the nomination of the President of the United States 
gives me a chance to say again that Republicans have lost seven out of the last pres- eight presidential elections. The popular vote. Seven out of eight. And yet they've filled out judiciary. So good luck trying to do something about guns. It is, in fact, the Republican Supreme Court, remember, that just a few years ago, for the first time in this country's history, said that the Second Amendment confers an individual right to own guns. But I think maybe the most interesting part of this story, and as it relates to Republicans and the gun deaths, is, of course, the Republicans and the police again. The, the Blue Lives Matter movement. The Republicans who are always standing up for the police, except when it comes to an assault on the United States Capitol, an assault on police officers defending it. Well, here's another example of Republican bullshit when it comes to supporting the police. One of the dead in Colorado was a police officer. But I'm sure that Republican thoughts and prayers go to his rather large family that he leaves behind. We are reminded of the Republican Party, the Trump administration, what this country is going through, the former administration from from Trump, what this country has been going through. That the people who march in this country for the right to continue mass carnage in America, tens of thousands of Americans killed in gun violence each year, mass shootings every week on average in America, these people are marching on behalf of freedom. Are they the same people marching on behalf of the freedom not to wear a mask during a deadly global pandemic? There's a lot of overlap there. Let's just put it that way. Freedom, we are reminded again that freedom for the dirt in this country means their freedom to do whatever they want at the expense of everybody else in this country. We have been talking, I have been talking, I guess, mostly we in the sense that you've been on the listening end, but um, I've been talking about the things that need to be on the agenda to fix this country. And I've been happy to report so far at how remarkably impressed I've been and surprised, frankly, at Biden, the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress doing for the most part what needs to be done in this country. And by that, I mean not just accomplishing what needs to be done, but in cases where the Republican Party will prevent them from accomplishing what needs to be done in this country, making it perfectly clear which side they are on and which side the other party is on. I want to start talking about one of the most, the first thing on the Democrats' agenda, well, I guess after the COVID relief bill, uh, the new agenda, which I have been calling out for, for a long time in this show, in fact, for a couple of years, since the last Congress when Democrats took over in 2019, and the last Congress's first bill was H.R. 1, the For the People Act, to improve democracy in America. Well, current Congress is the same thing I've been talking about, that H.R. 1, the For the People Act. Past Congress, and now Biden is pushing for it. Democrats are pushing for it. What will this this act do? It will try to bring more democracy to America. Very simply. It will increase mail-in voting for people who find it difficult to go to the polls or whose polling places tend to have several hours worth of lines. 
It will restrict voter ID laws that are designed to stop people from voting even when they have a legal right to vote. It will increase same-day national registration to vote. It will increase automatic voter registration so that people get registered to vote so they have the opportunity to vote if they are so moved to. It will mandate two weeks early voting across America so that people have a chance to get to the polls without having to take a day off from work, which many people are not entitled to take, especially if if they have to wait online for hours at their polling places, which Republicans will make sure they have to do. It is designed to require independent districting commissions to prevent redistricting and to promote democracy in the United States House of Representatives, something that is sorely lacking, as I've been talking about over and over in the show. It will reduce gerrymandering and require congressional boundaries to be written on behalf of the voter, not on behalf of the political party trying to stop there being any democratic accountability. It will place limits on campaign funding. It will limit dark money. And it will try to reduce the impact of big money on our politics. As I ask my students, which of those things do you have a problem with? Well, if you don't have a problem with a lot of them, you're apparently not a Republican. Because let's be honest, what are the chances of the For the People Act being enacted into law? The chances are somewhere between zero and negligibly far from zero. In other words, it's not going to pass. The whole point of this bill is to counter Republican efforts to stop people from voting. As I've been talking about forever, The Republican Party's electoral strategy for the foreseeable future is not to appeal to a majority of voters. It is to stop a majority of voters from voting so that their minorities can get them into office. It is theft of elections, not winning elections. Now, Biden again came out and had a good line on this one. Um, Republican efforts to limit voting rights are un-American, he described it. He also pointed out that it was sick And it was depraved. I don't know when sick and depraved suddenly became un-American, but frankly, I sure as hell know that limiting voting rights is not un-American. It is, in fact, distinctly American. And I know Biden knows that because he's lived through most of American history. He's seen how much American history has been all about denying people voting rights. Now, on the the positive side, Biden, of course, is speaking prospectively. Limiting voting rights should be un-American. It goes against what we like to believe we are, but not who we have always been. The Republican Party, and way back before the parties switched roles, the Democratic Party in the old days, existed only on voter suppression. And Biden, of course, knows that. What he is doing here, of course, a lot, is he is drawing the line, setting the gauntlet. You know, Colbert had a great line on HR1. Colbert says it's called HR1 because the HR, it's because it's from the House of Representatives, 
And the one is because it's the number of black Americans who will still be eligible to vote if this bill is not enacted. Because that, of course, is the Republican plan to stop black people from voting. Uh, again, let's talk about Ted Cruz and how she, he signs, shines a light on this problem. In an address to Republican state legislators, Senator Ted Cruz warned that a voter protection bill would spell the end of the Republican Party as a viable national party. Okay. Quote, H.R. 1's only objective is to ensure that Democrats can never again lose another election, that they will win and maintain control of the House of Representatives and the Senate and of the state legislatures for the next century. Close quote. Ted Cruz said. Yes, Ted. It's called democracy. What Ted is afraid of, let's be clear, is that if Americans get to vote, Democrats will keep winning elections. Let's just, again, stop for a second and think about that. If Americans get to vote, says the future Republican presidential hopeful and former Republican presidential hopeful, if Americans get to vote, the Republican Party will never win a national election. Just, yes, that's the problem. And that's why, of course, there is no way that H.R. 1 is going to be enacted. It would be the end of the Republican Party, and it's against everything they've been fighting for. And 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 everything they've been fighting for, of course, as we've talked about, the Brennan Center have pointed out week to, weeks ago, that more than 250 bills to restrict voting have been raised, have been introduced in state legislatures since, since Trump's loss. Dramatically increased rate from before. The American public keep, the, keeps rejecting us. Well, as, as a political party in America, we are going to return the favor by rejecting the American public. Rejecting your rights to vote. Georgia introduced nine bills to restrict black voting on the first day of Black History Month. Because if blacks vote, as we saw in Georgia this year, bad news for Republicans. But of course, stopping people from voting may not even be enough right now for Republicans. It's, it's unbelievable to believe, but it gets worse. It may not be enough to just stop Americans from voting. Republicans now have a two-pronged strategy to steal elections and end democracy in America. And we're seeing that strategy play out now around America. Uh, as the New York Times reported in the turbulent aftermath of the 2020 presidential contest, election officials in Georgia, from the Secretary of State's office down to county boards, found themselves in a wholly unexpected position. They had to act as one of the last lines of defense against an onslaught of efforts by a sitting president and his influential allies, i.e. the Republican Party, to overturn the will of the voters. Okay? Remember... In the aftermath of the 2020 election, when we looked up, when we praised those right-wing extremist Republicans who nonetheless wouldn't blatantly violate the law in the U.S. Constitution by stealing an election in broad daylight on behalf of, of former President Trump. Remember that? Yeah. Well, Republicans remember that. So now what they are doing is they are stripping state officials from the power to stop them from overturning an election. The Georgia Secretary of State, for instance, will not be able to count 
the, the legitimate votes if his political party says, no, you can't count them. Here's how Democracy Now! describes what just happened in Georgia. This is a quote. Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, has signed a sweeping elections bill that civil rights groups are blasting as the worst voter suppression legislation since the Jim Crow era. The bill grants broad power to state officials to take control of election management from local and county election boards. It also adds new voter ID requirements, severely limits mail-in ballot drop boxes, rejects ballots cast in the wrong precinct, and allows conservative activists to challenge the eligibility of an unlimited number of voters. Before I elaborate on all this, there's one important thing to keep in mind. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is the governor of Georgia only because he suppressed enough votes to steal the election from Stacey Abrams years ago. Just keep that in mind while we discuss what it all means. Anyway, some of those things are just what I've been talking about at length, which is just stopping people from voting, making making it impossible for, for especially black people, minorities, poor people, young people, people who might vote Democratic to vote. But beyond that is the idea that state officials will not be able to manage their own elections and that the Republican Party will basically be able to steal it from local county election boards. Once they stick their officials in, they will just blatantly steal elections. We talked about this. Do you, do you have any idea, do you have any recollection how close we came in this country to just literally a, a coup where Republicans just said, the, the people of my state voted for Joe Biden. We don't care. We're awarding our electoral votes to Donald Trump. This country will not survive. This country is still in a civil war. It might be a cold war right now, but this country may still very well not survive Trump and what he has wrought and the Republican Party and what they have done. We are still fighting for our lives. Of course, we are because the Republican Party, being nothing but a criminal organization at this point, having absolutely nothing to sell to the American public, has nothing else to offer other than to stop people from voting. They will not allow the Democrats to provide voting rights. What is happening here is what I've been saying all along Democrats need to do. They are highlighting the difference between the two parties. They are making it clear to any American who is willing to listen what the two parties believe in and what the choices are. If you value the fact that America is at least in some nominal sense as a democracy, it will be clear in future elections that you need to vote Democratic. If you don't care about anything except your sons of bitches being able to be in power and, and do whatever they want, then you will know that you will vote Republican. This is the choice the Democrats are presenting. I said weeks ago, when Biden was elected, I said he's not going to be able to do much. What the Democrats need to do is publicly make a show of what they believe in, try to do it, and make the Republicans stop everything. Highlight everything you are doing and highlight for the American public who is preventing things that you want to have happen from getting done. This is, the, this is another race. We saw COVID unfold in front of us. We are seeing two political parties one trying to bring democracy to America and one trying to destroy democracy in America. Involved in a race 
the stakes of which really could not be any clearer right now. Democrats need to highlight that. And then, sadly, we need to trust the American people. God help us. In my history, all my experience says when you count on the American people to have some basic level of knowledge, some basic ability for self-preservation, you will be disappointed. It relies on the American media to actually bring issues that matter to the American public to our attention and not the usual bullshit, bullshit red herrings. And again, anyone who's placed their bets on the American media has not generally done well throughout my history. Maybe these are different times. The Democrats are putting it to the American public and counting on the fact at this point that there will be enough Americans who will do their civic duty to save this country and preserve what our founders wanted to start almost two and a half centuries ago. We'll keep following up on this discussion on future shows, but for now, that's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Until we speak next, be safe, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 